Okay, everybody. Hello. Welcome to the first Flea Market Fantasy of 2020. This is number 19, and this is your co-host, Mike L. And as always, I'm joined by... Michael Dell of the LCS Hockey Radio Show. Yes, and for the second week in a row, we do have a guest co-host in the form of G.I. Julie, but she hasn't read the issue, so she's kind of just going to consult, we could say, right? Yeah. I'm going to make sure all of the points are correct. (laughs) I appreciate that. Thanks for sitting in, Julie. (laughs) (laughs) It's the spirit of Christmas. All right. So uh, this issue, Michael, uh, it's my pick. It's the first time I've had a pick in many weeks. Yeah. We like to keep it that way, right? (laughs) So So, thankfully, we're back with something good. Okay. (laughs) We're, We're going back. We're going back to 1980. Mm-hmm. And this is Power Man and Iron Fist, number mm-hmm. 61. That's right. Now, and for those that don't know, Power Man is Luke Cage, just in case, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Luke Cage. Uh, now, Jolie, do you have any history with uh, Power Man and or Iron Fist? <laughs> no. <laughs> do I have any history? Ugh. <laughs> well, I, I know you lo- you like the Luke Cage Netflix show. I remember that, right? Oh, I see what you mean. I thought you were gonna say like, did we date? No, no history. <laughs> um, yeah, I watched the shows. Their uh, Power Man slash Luke Cage was better than Iron Fist. Iron Fist got better. Um, that's it. <laughs> yeah, the Iron. I, I like the Luke Cage show. It was okay. The Iron Fist was terrible. Uh, because that kid they they cast as Iron Fist. He did not look like he could beat anyone in a fight. No. He did not look like a martial arts expert. Well, no. he had the physique of every martial artist I know. Like, he can't be too bulky. Yeah, but uh, he, he should also look like he could do a push-up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, I also, I have to, I don't want to get into the shows either, but uh, Daredevil was great. Jessica Jones was great. Um, Power, Power, sorry, Luke Cage was okay. But Iron Fist is one of the worst TV shows I've ever seen. I only watched <laughs> one episode, but it was horrendous. Yeah, I, I only lasted one episode, too, because I just didn't like that guy that they cast right. as Iron Fist. But anyway, uh, th- this is back in the heyday of Power Man and Iron Fist, 1980. <laughs> That's um, right. And they each came from their own series. They mm-hmm. each had individual series. And they were kind of like uh, the embodiment of 1970s pop culture. Because you had Power Man as like the black exploitation stuff. And you had Iron Fist as Kung Fu. They were all the rage back then in the 1970s. You know? That's right. But unfortunately, their individual titles were not selling well. So instead of canceling them, they just said, hey, let's just stick them together. <laughs> so they jammed them together in uh, Power Man and Iron Fist. Now, Luke Cage, he started uh, his comic was originally called Hero for Hire. That's, that's right. That's right. That was the original name. And uh, it made its debut in 1972. And then the series became Power Man with issue 17. And then with issue 50, it became Power Man and Iron Fist. And they just brought in Iron Fist. Right. I think Iron Fist uh, popped up in like uh, issue 47, maybe. They had an arc. And then he was it became a regular thing in issue 50 when they joined forces officially. Um, and that was back when Chris Claremont was writing it. And you're right. And John Byrne was drawing it, right? Yep. Nice. Um Power Man was created by Archie Goodwin, George uh, Tuska, I believe. Yeah, I believe, yes. Roy Thomas and John Romita Sr. took four (laughs) men to create Luke Cage. And inked by evangelical phenom Billy Graham. Yeah, (laughs) that's right, yeah. Hey, Billy Billy Graham, uh, Michael, in the coming weeks, I'll also be picking a Black Panther issue. Okay. And uh, Billy Graham used to draw Black Panther. That's right. I think I knew that. Billy Graham also had a career as a professional wrestler, I believe, right? In the I 80s? did not know that. No, he was a different Billy Graham. Oh, oh yeah, that was superstar Billy Graham. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. actor and playwright. Mm. So, all right, so that's your Luke Cage background. Iron Fist, uh, his real name is Danny Rand. Mm-hmm. And his first appearance was in Marvel Premiere 15 from 1974. And he was created by Roy Thomas. There you go. And Gil Kane, who I love. I and love who? Gil- Gil oh, Kane. Gil. I, I thought you said something else. Anyway, yeah, Gil Kane's great. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, the duo officially became, uh, the, they joined forces in issue 50. By issue 54, they started their business together, Heroes for Hire. Mm-hmm. Play off the original Luke Cage name. There you go. 
So, and, and of course, for those who don't know Iron Fist, uh, Mike, would you like to explain his backstory? You know, it's hilarious. I don't really know it because I don't think I've ever read an Iron <laughs> Fist comic in my life. Well, let me tell you, he was a fictional superhero. <laughs> uh, he was a practitioner of martial arts and the wielder of a mystical force known as the Iron Fist, which allowed him to summon and focus his chi so it doesn't his physique doesn't need to look like it should do a push-up <laughs> when the power comes from within. Exactly, Mike <laughs> Oh, I see. All right. <laughs> um, well, yeah, Iron Fist, uh, it's kind of like his backstory, it's a little like uh, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And, because he's, he's, a, he's a rich kid, and his dad owns a big corporation, and he goes with his parents. Apparently, his dad was born in, a, in another dimension. <laughs> 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 I didn't know that. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, I never Was knew that. In uh, Quinlan? Yeah, yeah, whatever that's called. Basically, the Iron Fist backstory, if for you literature buffs out there, it, it's a play off Lost Horizon by James Hilton. Uh, Shangri-La, the, the mystical land of Shangri-La. Mm, okay. Up, up Tibet. It's his mystical city. Uh, so he, uh, he goes there to visit with his parents because apparently his dad was born there or something. I didn't realize this at first. I just found this out. I thought his dad was just a normal dude, but no, apparently he was born there. I don't know. It's, I, I, they probably retconned it and changed it. I don't know. Anyway, so while they're there on their trip to Tibet, uh, they have a little accident uh, where they fall off a bridge uh, in these mountains. And while well, the, the mom and uh, Danny Rand land on a little ledge and they're safe, their dad is hanging by the edge and his business partner who went on the trip with him uh, kicks him off and kills him. Because okay. he wants to Mufasa take over. Style. <laughs> yeah, he, he wants to take over the corporation, and then uh, Danny Rand's mom dies because she gets devoured by a pack of wolves. <laughs> while while she uh, saves the child, and the child gets taken in by these Tibetan monks from this mystical city, and they teach him the ways of the martial arts in the kung fu. That's and great. He becomes a master, and then he becomes the Iron Fist because he fights this big giant like dragon. And he beats the dragon, and he gets the power of the Iron Fist. And, Sounds good to me. And he gets branded on his chest with that tattoo. Did you ever see that, like, dragon tattoo on his chest? Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. Boom, that becomes branded on him because he's the Iron Fist. And, and this is, like, a long tradition. There's, like, multiple Iron Fists throughout history, I guess. But he's, like, you know, the guy now. So yeah. then he goes back to the U.S., and he tries to win back his family's corporation from that evil guy that killed his dad. And that's basically the premise of uh iron fist so, so that's pretty much the show so I, I didn't realize how accurate the show was then yep that's what it was um a, a jolie would you happen to know uh the secret history of luke cage would you like to <laughs> explain that to us would i like to explain it or read it directly from wikipedia well uh, i assumed you just knew all this because when you when you gave the iron fist backstory that sounded like you were just pulling it right out of your head Oh, well, I'll pull this right out of my head, too. Carl Lucas is his name. Raised in Harlem, the streets of New York. Um, wow, that's a lot of text. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I've read a handful of issues. The only thing I know is that he was in jail, I believe, right? I think he was well, wrongly accused. Yes, he was wrongly accused by his buddies. Uh, they were, like, in a, a street gang together, and then he... Uh... His one buddy, who I believe I can't remember his name, was it uh, Striker? Striker, sure, that sounds right. Um, but th doesn't he have like another name too, like a a, a villain? Is it Cottonmouth? Is that what it is? Right, right. He becomes Cottonmouth, just like in the show, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So anyway, his buddy framed Luke uh, to get arrested because then the buddy took Luke's girlfriend while he was in prison. So, but while Luke was in prison, he wanted to get out. And so that, you know, to get back his uh, revenge at his buddy. So they said, hey, Luke, we got an idea for you. If you become a uh, subject in this experimental procedure, maybe we'll reduce your sentence, you know. So so he goes in to do this procedure. Things go haywire because the warden at the one the one guard in the prison he's at Seagate prison, by the way, Seagate prison. The one guard monkeys with the experiment because he hates Luke Cage. But here so the experiment actually ends up giving him super strength and skin that is like steel. You can't hurt Luke Cage. Right. And so then he, he gets out of prison and he starts hero for hire. 
because uh, he needs to make money. So he's like, I might as well cash in on this superhero stuff I can do. And, and he becomes a superhero. So that's Luke Cage. And by the way, Michael, thanks to Luke Cage, we have Nick Cage. You know? Yes, that's true. Nicholas Cage. Yeah, his real name is Nicholas Coppola. Yep. And he named him, he renamed himself Cage after Luke Cage. That's correct. So how about that? <laughs> so here we are, 1980, uh, issue 61. Uh, the title of it, Who's Been Sleeping in My Grave? Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Um, <laughs> well, do you, do you want to talk about the cover quick? Because the cover oh, is drawn yeah. by Bob Layton, who we've interviewed, and he's really cool. Yeah, Bob Layton, probably most famous for Iron Man, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah definitely. Man. And he also did a couple issues of Secret Wars that we just talked about. Um, did he? We, he yeah, must he have just inked them, right? No, he drew two issues because Mike oh. couldn't keep up with the, the demands. I think Layton did issues four and five, I believe. I thought that was Bob McCloud. No, 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 no. I don't know who Bob McCloud is. This is Bob Layton. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> I say so. <clears throat> oh, I know so. That's true. You know what? Bob Layton was buddies with Jim Shooter, so you're right. It probably was Bob Layton, but anyway. I know it was Bob Layton. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, on the cover, we got Luke Cage and Iron Fist back-to-back. Look like they're squaring off against the world. The Iron Fist is glowing. And in the background, we see uh, uh, some of them each fighting. We see right. uh, Luke Cage fighting somebody and Iron Man fighting somebody. And then in the bottom right corner, we see uh, Caesar Cicero. Right. Do you know who that is, Michael? No clue. Do you? Yeah, he's the uh, the lead attorney of the Magia crime family. Right, which is Marvel's version of the Mafia. Yes, basically the Godfather. Because, again, this is 1980. The Godfather movies are all the rage. So they said, hey, that's, that's, uh, that's Magia. And do you know who the leader of the Magia is? Uh, I mean, I thought there was different families, right? Yeah, there are. But, like, the main guy who started it all was Silvermane. Okay, I was going to say Silvermane, yeah. Yeah, the old Spider-Man guy, Silvermane. And, of course, when I was a little kid in the 80s, I thought that Marvel came up with this whole concept of the, of the Magia. I didn't know what the Mafia was. Like, wow, what a cool idea. But anyway. Uh, Mike, yeah, would you like to – there's also a big little, uh, little like, explosive uh, blurb on the cover at the bottom. Would you like to read that? Sure. It says, the, Ma- the Magia has declared open season on Power Man and Iron Fist, and now the heroes for hire are dead on target. Yeah, because there's a big target behind them as well. Right, right. Yeah, so there you go. All right, Michael. So uh, the big splash page, we're at Rest Haven Cemetery. Right. Uh, We have... What's going on here? So basically, uh, we've got some really cool narration introducing the whole idea that this is a cemetery and people get buried in cemeteries, but then it points out, usually they don't take place at night. So then when we cut to a closer shot, we realize there's a bunch of dudes who are burying a uh, coffin kind of under you know in secrecy and then when they drop the dirt on the coffin we see the name luke cage inscribed on it right yeah so this is a great little opening because you're like what in heck is what's going on here our co-lead is in the is dead right yeah and the guy that buries him he's dropping the dirt on the coffin and he says so rest in peace sucker that's right sucker (laughs) that's very 1980s Yep. So then we cut to the splash page. And like you said, it's called Who's Been Sleeping in My Grave. And I think that's a play on um, Who's Been Sleeping in My Bed. Isn't that um, the Goldilocks? Right, Goldilocks. Yeah, a few little bears, whatever. So basically, (laughs) okay, so Luke Cage is in his office, Heroes for Hire hire office. Well, he's not, technically, he's not in the Heroes for Hire office because it's a uh, big deal now. They got this guy. you know, in the Net- Netflix series, uh, Carrie and Moss plays Ho- uh, Hogarth. Okay. Well, oh. in the comic books, Hogarth is a, is a man. Okay. And he, he's like their manager, their business manager. Okay. So he set up a real fancy office with the secretary and everything. This, he, Luke Cage is actually in his old office when he was just hero for hire. Okay. And this office is above a uh, movie theater. Right. The, the gem movie theater. So that's where he's at at this exact moment. Okay. So he's on the phone, and you find out later he's on the phone with Iron Fist, right? Yes. But in this opening scene, this dude comes bursting, crashing through the door. Cage, Luke Cage, I need you. And then he collapses. <laughs> <laughs> and then, my, um, my favorite part of doing this podcast, Jolie, is Mike L's dramatic readings. <laughs> well, I have to sell it, right? I want I know, people I to it. read these comics, right? So I gotta, I'm doing my thing here. So then um, Iron Fist is like, are you all right? What's going on? 
And so Luke Cage is trying to figure out what's going on with this guy. But this is his buddy. I guess his name is Donovan. I don't know anything about these characters. Uh, but... Yeah, this is Big Ben Donovan. They started out as uh, enemies. Okay. In fact, Big Ben's first appearance. I should mention, I read all the Luke Cage stuff early on. The early Are you serious? Yeah. Like, when you were I, I actually me? enjoy it. I enjoy okay. it quite a bit. Um, at least the real early stuff's actually really good, the first couple. Okay. Um, but uh, Big Ben, they were rivals. Uh, they met in Big Ben's first scene in the comic book ever. I think he's busting through Luke Cage's door just like this, oh. ex except he's there to beat him up the first time. Okay. And, because he's jealous that uh, he thought Luke Cage was running around with the lady that he liked. So okay. he was up Luke Cage. But in this issue, he's coming to Luke Cage for help. Okay, okay. So yeah, so basically, okay, so this guy is like on death's door. And then as he's trying to get a message through to Luke, he's like, Hoods from the Magia after me now. May not be much time. And then the little narration box, indeed. For suddenly, in the very doorway to Cage's office... These two guys burst in with what looks like Tommy guns, and they start shooting yeah. at them, right? And yep. then Iron Fist can obviously hear this over the phone, and we know because the, there's the sound effect. Bud, bud, what is this? <laughs> bud, bud, to click. <laughs> so he hangs up, and now he's got to run to go you know, save the day. So cutting back to this office, so Luke is getting shot at, but of course he's got steel-hard skin, and so the bullets can't penetrate his, uh, his skin. And so he, you know, grabs the guys, punches them out, knocks them out, and then now he's got his... Oh, look at this. They even flash back to issue 14 when, just like you said, Donovan bursts through the window. <laughs> it's the first time they ever met him, right? <laughs> yeah, through the door, yeah. He goes through right the door, yeah, through the door. Um, and so anyway, so, now, so Luke Cage picks up Donovan, and then he flashes back to the first time he met him, so they kind of explain what's going on. And then he puts him on the couch, and then he turns around, and there's another guy in the office now. This guy is, uh, what is his name? Mar Man, Man, Man Mountain Marco. That's right. Man Mar he, he's originally a Spider-Man villain. His first appearance was Amazing Spider-Man 73. That's what and, I thought. Okay. And his, his background is interesting because he was a street punk who was in a gang, and uh, he wanted to, uh, they were picking on Peter Parker. Like they saw him walking home one day and they're like, oh, look at that nerd. Let's go beat mm -hmm. up Peter Parker. And but but Peter at the time was worried about Aunt May because he's always worried about Aunt May. So he's right. lost in his thoughts. And when when uh, the young man, Mountain Marco, came over to, to, you know, bully him, Peter just swatted him away with a little backhand. And, you know, the strength of Spider-Man sent him flying. So Marco got all he's like, wow, a little nerd like that can knock me over. I better get my get my act together. And so he started uh, he decided to join the mob. Ah. I'm not going to let someone push me around. And then when he joined the Magia, they, they did a uh, secret experiment on him. Uh, they genetically modified him to give him superhuman strength. Isn't that convenient? Yeah. So he became like the, the uh, chief lieutenant of Silvermane, like his, his muscle. That's know? pretty cool. Yeah. Cool Kinda. backstory. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So basically, so yeah, so they get into this fist fight and Luke Cage kind of knocks him out i guess and then we cut away we see this other guy who's watching through binoculars wait 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 oh. wait. Luke, luke cage does not knock out man mountain mark oh he doesn't knock him out he knocks him over but he's not yeah, knocked he's... out yeah, yeah, yeah okay that's an important detail yes so then we cut away to this guy watching on um a rooftop through binoculars but we don't know who it is yet right this shadowy figure and so then we cut to iron fist um in the the back seat of a cab he's rushing over to get to uh, Luke Cage's office. And then this is, as far as dialogue, this is one of my least favorite scenes in the book where the guy's, the cab driver's kind of blabbing and then he turns around yeah. and he's like, hey, aren't you gone? And then we see a picture of like an overcoat and some money, but then the guy has to explain it. All he left me was the fare, <laughs> a tip and his overcoat? A nice looking kid like that? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why weird. he had to comment on his looks, but. Yeah, that is weird. Let's just pretend that panel doesn't exist. Yeah, okay. Um, so then we cut back, and as Mike Dell said, Man Mountain Mark was not knocked out. He was just knocked over. So now he's running back to Power Man, and they're going to continue this fist fight for, yep. let's see how many more panels. One, two, three, four. And then on the fifth panel of the next page, the guy reaches it. He smashes through the drywall and grabs some electrical cables and then uses them to electrocute Power Man, right? Yep. And the Power Man kind of struggles for a minute. Then he just ends up falling over. Well, because he cracks him on the back of the head. 
Um, oh, that's right. That's right. He actually gave him an additional punch in the back of the head. You're right. And it, it breaks his hand. That's how tough okay. he is. But yeah. you notice Man Mountain Marco, I, I think he's basically just a really big Johnny Cash. He looks exactly okay. like Johnny Cash, except uh, here he's wearing all white. Like, not ah, the, there you go. The man in white instead of the man in black. Yeah, yeah he just looks like a big, angry Johnny Cash. Yep. Interesting, yep. So Power Man is obviously knocked out. So then we cut back to the guy on the roof, and we see that this is a guy who I've never seen in a story before, but I've seen him, I think, in like the Marvel Universe handbook. But this is... Um, this is Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt. So is this guy dressed in a supervillain costume. It's a well, blue super, It's a superhero costume. Oh, he's a superhero. Okay. Yeah. So he's, it's like blue with kind of like a lightning designed, um, you know, kind of over shirt thing with like a, like a, what are those called? Shoulder, what are those called? They kind of stick up. I don't know what they're. Shoulder pads? Yeah, kind of like shoulder pads. <laughs> stick up a little bit. It looks like an oversized dickie or a balaclava. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oversized dickie. So then, so then, yeah, so I guess this guy can run fast, right? So he runs down this fire escape and then he runs into Iron Fist and Iron Fist is like, Hey, where did you come from? I'm sorry, Iron Fist, but I can't allow you to go in there. Don't try to stop me. So then they kind of get into a little fight and, and Thunderbolt is punching Iron Fist, Iron Fist elbows him, kicks him. And then, uh, they basically settle down. Now there's a crowd gathered around them and, um, so then they realize, of course, as in every Marvel comic, it was just a misunderstanding, right? Yeah. <laughs> so Thunderbolt, you can actually see him brushing the dirt off of his arm. You can see like a little cloud of smoke coming off, right? As, <laughs> yep. So then they kind of talk, and uh, I don't remember what they say here. What do they realize? <laughs> oh, the well, stuff, well, yeah. The, well, they're both pow- – like uh, Iron Man recognizes the, the name Thunderbolt because some kids are watching him fight. He says, Iron Man's uh, – Iron Man. Iron Fist is really giving it to Thunderbolt. And he goes, Thunderbolt, and Luke Cage has mentioned Thunderbolt, that he's a good guy, and he's helped Luke in the past. So he's like, oh, I didn't mean to be fighting you. And he says, hey, I can't let you go in there because uh, I should mention Thunderbolt. His real name is William Carver. Right. Okay, and he was a uh, district attorney, like an assistant DA under Foggy Nelson, actually. Oh, okay. His first appearance was in uh, Daredevil. Uh, where was it here? Daredevil 69 from 1970. Okay. Then his first appearance with Power Man was Power Man 41 in 1977. But he was the assistant DA under Foggy Nelson, and he was trying to take down a street gang called the Thunderbolts. Oh, right, right, and right. His little brother named Lonnie was <laughs> murdered by somebody. Okay. A sniper shot him. And uh, so at the funeral for his younger brother, he, uh, he noticed he saw the guy that killed his brother, and he went after him because the guy was there, I guess, to maybe kill uh, William Carver, the brother. So they had a big fight. And while they're fighting, they get struck by lightning. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. The assassin dies. William Carver survives, but he's in such dire straits. uh, They have to uh, do an experimental procedure using a cobalt ray created by Stark Industries. That's right. Tony Stark. And as a side effect, he gets superhuman speed. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's like the Flash of uh-huh. Harlem. Yeah, he's basically Harlem's Flash. <laughs> so he becomes a superhero, and uh, that, that's the history of Thunderbolt, William Carver. Yeah. So. yeah, for some reason I always thought he was a bad guy. I don't know why, but anyway, he's uh, not. He's a superhero. Yeah. And so, yeah, so they start to, they're kind of chatting here, and now we kind of, I guess we're almost looped back around to the beginning because now we find out why Luke Cage was in this uh, coffin, right? Yeah, and I, I should mention the reason Thunderbolt, he's watching them is because he's, he believes whoever killed his brother, Lonnie, is involved with the Magia and, and Big Ben Don, uh, Donovan. Because mm-hmm. Big Ben Donovan was a lawyer in Harlem, but he's into some shady stuff now, all right? He's doing some bad stuff. So Thunderbolt is watching him because he thinks he can lead him to the guy who killed his brother. But now he's concerned that Luke Cage is involved in this somehow. So he's concerned, is Luke bad? Uh-huh. What's going on here? Why is Donovan and the Magia converging on Luke Cage? So they want to, he doesn't want Iron Fist to go in there and stop him. He wants to see where they go, trail them back to their hideout. You understand? So. <laughs> yeah, okay. So then, um, so yeah, so basically Luke Cage is in the, is in the, uh, the coffin, and now we, we're introduced to Caesar. Yeah, this is his first appearance in the book, right? Caesar Cicero? 
Caesar Cicero. Yep. And then um, they're chatting back and forth, and then um, and then we we jump back to Iron Fist and Thunderbolt. Who are where are they here? They're in. Um, well, they're they're going to the DA's office because uh, right. Car- Carver's still like, you know, uh, an assistant DA and with the uh, officials, but they don't know he's Thunderbolt. But they sneak in the back door, and uh, the one guy in the office, he's actually meeting with Misty Knight and Colleen Wing, who are members of they're the kind of members of Heroes for Hire, right? Uh they're at this point they're not members, but they uh, they own their own private eye investigative nightwing restorations oh right 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 and, right. and at this point in time since luke cage and iron fist just became heroes for hire they're actually kind of bitter towards them because hey you're still in our business people are going gotcha. to you now instead of okay. us so yeah okay and we should mention misty knight and iron fist used to be lovers that's right and misty yeah. knight also used to be gene gray's roommate oh that's right because they were well because they're both written by chris claremont right yep that's how so, i was able to keep track of that a lot of connections here and of course, they both appeared in the Netflix shows. Um, mm-hmm. Although it is weird because Colleen Wing, and the way she's depicted here, she looks like a white lady, right? I mean, she doesn't look very Asian, but oh, she's supposed to be Asian. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think of that. I thought it was just wing, like you know, like a bird's wing. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she, she she was born in uh, I forget where exactly where she was born, but. Uh, she was raised and her grandfather taught her the ways of the samurai. And then she came to New York. Um, and Misty Knight <laughs> saved her from a gangland shootout mm-hmm. and they became best buddies. And that's okay. And friends. And of course, Misty Knight was a uh, police officer who stopped a bank robbery with a bomb, but the bomb went off and ripped off her right arm. So she had to, uh, she retired from the police force. But Tony Stark, the good guy that he is, he read about her heroism in the newspaper, so he designed her a bionic arm. <laughs> a Tony That's Stark. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. so she has a bionic right arm. Really? I didn't know that. Okay. Wow, you didn't know that? No, I don't know much about these characters. I, I never really read any of their comics, so. That's a shame. All right. Yeah. So wait, so wait. So Misty Knight has a bionic arm. Yes, but it's not. But it's but it's like obviously skin color over top of the robotics. It's not like it's metal showing through, right? Well, it used to be. Yeah, it looks like she has a normal hand here. Okay. Uh, but yeah, sometimes it was depicted as a bionic arm. But I guess they made it look like a real arm. I don't know. <laughs> but, okay. Okay. Uh, her, Misty Knight's first appearance was Marvel Team Up number one in 1972. Really? Yeah. Huh. And uh, then she was in Marvel Premiere 21 1975. Was she was unnamed in that first appearance, and then she okay. became. In 1975, they actually named her. And Colleen Wing's first appearance was Marvel premiere 19, 1974. How hmm. oh, about that? Interesting. I mean, it's cool that these characters are not typical. Like, they don't have costumes. They don't have names, right? But yeah. they kind of hang out and with the Heroes for Hire. And I, I do – this is all, you know, fascinating to me. Again, because like I said, like, I never really read Power Man or Iron Fist, and I hadn't really read any Ghost Rider or any 70s comics until only in the last five or ten years. So it's kind of like a whole other world to me, you know? Yeah. So. And what a world it is. <laughs> yeah. And so basically. So, um, so, so, yeah. So they're kind of just, they're not really tied to, like, Iron Fist touches base with them. And, um, well, so well. They, yeah, Car- they go to Carver's office because they got to get some info on uh, the Magia and whatnot. And um, they got to track down where Luke Cage is. And he fills in Iron Fist on his backstory and explains how he got his powers and everything. Right. But, Michael, there's a big reveal at the end of the issue. The final two panels. What happens? Yes. It, you find out that Thunderbolt is aging very quickly. And he's now an old man. But I've never seen it before, so that doesn't really mean anything to me, you know? <laughs> yeah, but it's still alarming that this superhero is running around all fast. He takes his mask off, and he's a very old man. Right, right, And he right. says, because he should only be like 32 years old or something. Oh, he's just 28, yeah. Oh, 28, all right. So, uh, um, well, that's pretty impressive. And he's assistant DA at 28. Well done, William Carver. That's yeah. Uh, but he says that the 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 uh, experiment that gave him the super speed it also accelerated his metabolism and he and right. he's aging so fast. So he he has only like maybe days hours to live, and he's obsessed with finding the killer of his brother. That's right. Yeah. So and then that's where the issue ends. 
You know, I got to say one thing before we say anything else is that I felt like I was just getting into the story yep. when it ended, Yep. you know, really abruptly. So that's, that's one credit I'll give this issue. Yeah, it's good. It, it's a little cliffhanger. Pulls you right. through. I, I did go on to read some more of these issues. Really? I enjoyed it. Yeah. So how, how much of, of this, I mean, how long is the series? Like 152 issues or something? I don't even know. It's a lot. It's like around that. But um, how many of them have you read? Would you say? Well, I, I just read. I just picked this one at random. Ah, so gotcha. I read this one, and then I read the next one, and then I read the one after that. Okay. Okay. So. All right. But, well, do you want to talk about the creators? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> um, the writer here is Joe Duffy. Mm-hmm. But that's Joe J O. It's a lady. You got it. Mary Joe Duffy. She was born in New York City in 1954. She was a comics fan as a kid, and she actually appeared in many letters columns. She wrote a lot of letters to the comics. Really? I didn't know that. Okay. I always like when I hear that. Like, these kids grew up to be comics writers. Then it's, it's great. Uh, she graduated from Wesley College. Uh, she studied English, and she started as an assistant editor at Marvel in 1977. She actually appeared as an autograph seeker in Iron Man 103 in 1977. They drew her really? in. Yeah, how about that? That's pretty cool. Uh, her first writing gig at Marvel was Star Wars, issue 24. See, I knew she wrote for Star Wars. That's why I'm familiar with her. And that was in uh, 1977. But she went on to do 32 issues total. She took over as the regular writer with issue 70. And she stayed until the end of the series uh, at 107. Nice. You Star Wars fans out there. Mary Jo (laughs) Duffy. Um, She began Iron Power Man and Iron Fist. She took over with issue 56. And she ran until issue 84. So a three-year run. Uh, she took over for Chris Claremont uh, because he was just too busy, had too much on his plate. Mm-hmm. And so she went to Jim Shooter because she was an assistant editor at the time. And a lot of times they would let them write stuff. Uh, and she goes, hey, you know, I'd really like to get into writing. Is there anything I could do? And she talked to Chris Claremont and, you know, he's really busy and he could give up one of the titles that he was doing. So Shooter said, all right, yeah, you can do whatever one he doesn't want to do. Whatever he wants to give up, you can do. And at the time, Claremont was writing Miss Marvel and Power Man and Iron Fist. So Jim Shooter, thinking that Claremont would give up Miss Marvel and he'd give Miss Marvel to Joe Duffy. But no, Claremont wanted to keep Miss Marvel and he gave up Power Man and Iron Fist. But Joe Duffy was excited because she actually loved these characters. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. But I think Shooter just thought, oh, well, the girl will do the girl comic, you know? Sure. But uh, yeah, so she took over Power Man and Iron Fist. And she brought a lighthearted tone to the series. She kind of made it like a buddy cop movie. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, she focused on their relationship and not so much. Uh, uh, well, there are a lot of fights in this issue, uh, which I loved. Uh, apparently, over the length of her run, she downplayed the fighting and focused more on their relationship. She was also a, a big fan of Stan Lee, and he had a major influence on her. And you can see that in the way she handles the supporting characters because <clears throat> they yeah. have a large supporting cast. And they all have fleshed out motivations and problems. Like we mentioned, Misty Knight and Colleen Wing. Now they're bitter at Iron Fist uh, and Power Man for stealing their business. You got all that side stuff going on. So, yeah, she, she uh, created a big supporting cast for Power Man and Luke Cage. Ironically enough, though, Michael, she was taken off the book after three years because editorial thought it was too lighthearted. Really? <laughs> they're like, that. hey, we don't like what you're doing with this. But uh, fans of Power Man and Iron Fist consider her three-year run the height of the series. Really? This was, they said this was when our Power Man and Iron Fist was at their best, was when Mary Jo Duffy was writing it. And um, who replaced her as the writer, do you know? I don't even know. Oh, okay. I don't even I I want to say Roy Thomas, actually, at some point took really? over. I think he did write some of them. I don't know if he was right after her. Uh, so in 1980, uh, she wrote Francis, Brother of the Universe, number one, the Marvel biography of Francis of Assisi. That's right. That's right. How about that? That was drawn by John Buscema. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then in 1987, she did the Fallen Angels story, the limited series, eight issue limited series. Do you remember Fallen Angels? Yes, I forgot about that. Yes, absolutely. New New Mutants uh, spinoff, kind of, right? Yes, Warlock and Sunspot leave the New Mutants for a while because uh, Sunspot injures Cannonball in a friendly game of soccer. Right, right, right. <laughs> and everyone's mad at him, so he. Uh, he and Warlock have adventures on their own. Uh, then in 1993-94, she did Catwoman, 1 through 14 for DC. Okay. Catwoman came back. But uh, those are pretty much all her prominent 
stuff, but she did. She's done other things. Uh, she apparently is no longer in comics at this point in her career. But um, now that happens a lot, unfortunately, with these uh, old seventies and eighties creators. But uh, yeah, Power, Power Man and Iron Fist is probably the height of her career. Her best okay. Career. So yeah, not they're... not Star Wars. No, I don't think. Okay. Uh, Power, Power Man and Iron Fist. Uh, at least it was her favorite thing, I guess. I should okay. say she did. But most people consider it the height of her uh, career. I was a fan of this. I like this issue a lot. Um, you, you did point out the uh, one terrible panel there with the cab driver. Right, right. But overall, she does a lot of really good stuff here uh, in terms of the plotting and, again, ending on a hook, um, the motivations for all the characters, the supporting cast. Uh, I really like this. This issue went by quick when you're reading yeah. it. Uh, it. It was very well done, I thought. I was impressed. Um, I'll give you, I'll definitely give it props for being fast moving. And like I said, just when I was kind of wondering what was going to happen next, it ended on a cliffhanger. So that's definitely an extra point. But I think, <clears throat> pardon me, I think what I didn't like about it was um, just, uh, I, I don't know, it, it's one of those comics where sometimes I can buy all of the conventions of a superhero story. But I felt like in this story, it was just riding the line between absurdity and believability, you know? What like, was absurd about it? Um, well, let's see. Thunderbolt, it, it, the character himself, the costume. Man <laughs> so, so he's ridiculous, but Flash is awesome. <laughs> oh, I think it's all just the way they're drawn and the way they're written. But there's just something about this that it just pushed the, the, the limits of um, believability for me. It just felt like it, it. I don't know. I just can't explain it. But it's like it doesn't quite handle it properly. You know, that's what I felt like anyway. Yeah, um, I was a big fan. Big fan. Uh, well, you haven't talked about the artist Carrie yeah. Gamble. I know Carrie Gamble from Superman. What do you? What, what's your take on Carrie Gamble? Uh, well, he's born in 1954. He grew up a comics fan and idolized the likes of Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, John Buscema, Gene Colan, and Jim Steranko. Really? Okay. I was gonna, I was gonna pick an Agents of Shield with Jim Steranko, Michael. He only did like five issues. Really? Holy moly! Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, he did some extra covers, but really only like maybe even four issues, I think. Okay, interesting. But uh, the last one he did was 1969. Can we still do that on this show? That's a great question. I think we're gonna have to expand our um, our uh, parameters a little bit because I've got a couple comics that are cut into the 90s, so we might yeah. have, we'll have to talk about that after. <laughs> I don't think we should do any 90s comics. Hey, when you hear the comic that I suggest, I think you're going to change your tune, all right? Like that's a whole different era, 90s comics, you know? That's technically the Bronze Age, uh, I believe, ends in like 85. Yeah, 85, 86. Technically, you're right. So we're kind of already breaking the rules, I guess. But yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> all right. Uh, so Kerry Gamble, his uh, first issue ever was Marvel Team-Up 73 in 1978. He did a Spider-Man and Daredevil story. And he did 11 total issues, total issues of Marvel Team Up between 78 and 83. Uh, he, Power Man and Iron Fist, he did 16 issues. This was the first issue we ever did, 61. And, really? uh, and his final issue was in issue 79. And that was between 80 and 82. He also did four issues of the Fallen Angel series with uh, Joe Duffy. So they were buddies. Huh. Uh, in 1983, he did four issues of The Further Adventures of Indiana Jones. Mm, okay. Did you ever buy the Indian? Because when I was a kid, I had some of these Indiana Jones, and I had the ones drawn by Kerry Gamble, but I don't know where they are now. I, they, I, I, I have them. a yeah, I have one or two issues drawn by John Byrne actually. Yeah. Uh, 1988 to 91, he did 13 issues of Superman. Got that right. Yep. 1988, he did the cover for Power Girl number one. Okay, I remember that. Yep. And 1991, he did the Deadly Foes of Spider Man one and two. Ooh, that was not a good series. Anyway. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. In uh, 1992, he did Teen Titans number one. Okay, that's right. It was like a volume three number one. Yeah, I remember that. That's pretty uh, prominent. And then that's pretty much it for his comic book run. He left comics to be special effects concept artist, character designer, and storyboard artist for TV, movies, and gaming. Really? I didn't know that. Okay. So, uh, But I got to tell you, I love the art here. I thought this was great. I don't know. I, I've always thought Kerry Gamble is kind of just an average. Like, I've never thought he was bad, but he's kind of just typical to me. Like, I can appreciate his art because it has a Bronze Age feel to it, and I like that, but I don't actually think he's a great artist. I oh, I, I, yeah, I think a lot of this was very, very good. Like, uh, when the guy's busting the office, look at those panels of uh, Cage getting shot. 
and the the, the composition sure. of that panel, and then busting through and punching the dudes. That's a great panel. That, that's probably the best. Yeah, that one shot of him punching while he's getting shot is the best page or the best panel in the whole book. Yeah, there, there's a lot of good stuff here. Um, it's not like amazing or anything. There, like the figures do look a little stiff when they're right. fighting, and um, but still, I, I like the composition and the panel layouts and a lot of this stuff. It's very old school comic booky. And right, I was a fan. That's what, yeah, that's what I like about it. It has this Bronze Age vibe, definitely. Yeah. So there you go, Carrie Gamble. Um, <laughs> anything else, Michael, about Carrie Gamble? Uh, did, you, only, did you like his Superman run at all? I mean, yeah, it was definitely fine. Like, again, it fit in with that style of the day, so I definitely liked it for that reason. But, I mean, of the Superman artists of that day, if I were to bring anything back, it would be Jerry Ordway or John Bogdanovay, but not him, you know. Again, maybe for, like... Actually, didn't he also do X-Men Forever? Did you mention that? I have no... I don't remember seeing that. I don't even know what X-Men Forever is. X-Men Forever is um, a revival of the X-Men that basically pretends... um, Like, basically, it's what would happen if Chris Claremont got to stay on X-Men and do whatever (laughs) he wanted with it instead of being fired. And so... That's what happened. Oh, sorry. You know what? It wasn't Kerry Gamble. It was Tom Grumman. Are you familiar with Tom Grumman? No, I am not. Okay. Well, he's another, he's kind of a similar type artist. He's a very 80s, you know, Bronze Age-ish artist. And, and so anyway, so, um, yeah. So X-Men Forever was like, I don't know. It lasted pretty long, almost 100 issues. And basically they let Chris Claremont do whatever he wanted, but it was not in Marvel continuity. It was in this Chris Claremont, you know, continuity. So wow. pretty cool idea though. Yeah. Was it better than the normal continuity? Uh, it was definitely enjoyable. I've only read like maybe 10 issues, but it was definitely less confusing. I'll put it that way. <laughs> it was coherent. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, I had no idea that was even a thing. I'll have to look into it. Yeah, definitely look into it. It's cool. Yeah. All right. That's something. <laughs> so, so what else, Michael? Anything else about the Power Man and Iron Fist? Um, I can only say I've read a handful of Luke Cage comics, the early ones, um, and I've never read Iron Fist, but... I've been, as you know, doing another podcast called Here Comes the Spider-Cast, and we've had a bunch of guest appearances by Powerman and Iron Fist, and we didn't really like any of them. <laughs> and <laughs> this was probably the best Powerman and Iron Fist story I've read, but I'm still not sure if I'd be, you know, interested enough to continue to read and then read more, you know? I don't know. I'm not a huge Iron Fist fan. I, okay. I just don't like the character. Uh, I like Luke Cage a lot. Um, so I, I tolerate Iron Fist when he's around. He looks cool. I like the Iron Fist power. I like all that stuff, but I don't know, just something, he seems like too much of a ripoff of a Batman coming from the rich. I don't like rich people, Mike. We've established this on the show many times. I'm I'm with you on that. (laughs) I don't like the 1% and and he's just the one percenter. So, uh, I'm not a fan of him, but I, I like the street level books, you know, the gritty street level daredevils, even your Spider-Man, even though sometimes he can get too highfalutin. With his yeah. villains, but he's still street level. Uh, that's what I like, and this is gritty street level stuff in Harlem, and so that's I love it. It's just right in my wheelhouse. Well, we've got we've got our supervisor here, GI Jolie, who's also can see the artwork here on the uh, laptop. Do you have anything to say about the art, Jolie? What do you think of it? It's typical of superhero stories. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Di- it's dynamic. It's that's exactly um, exciting right, yeah. to look at. Uh, there's a lot of action and movement. And uh, th- this is the first time I can actually say um, that, like, the inks are kind of, uh, like, very noticeably it's inked. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, whereas I would a agree lot with of, that. Yeah, a yeah. lot of comics don't take advantage of the fact that comics are a medium that are inked. This, like, look, look at his white suit. Yeah, It's just, mm-hmm. the, the, there's no fear of black space mm-hmm. <laughs> um not <laughs> not to say that this whole issue is black space anyway that's it's a bad joke it's a bad joke <laughs> oh, oh i see what you're saying yeah um, well cancel no, we, jolie cancel yeah. <laughs> me too but yeah bruce patterson he also did he inked uh, george perez and on the early wonder woman run uh, issues there he's definitely a good inker um i've uh, come- Almost sometimes the inking's almost a little overdone in some of these panels. I would say. Yeah, arguably you could say but, that. Arguably. Yeah, but I do like the the dynamic, uh, like Jolie was saying. It, big sense of this is like old school Kirby esque kind of um, 
designs. Yeah, layouts. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So other than that, I, I mean, again, kind of in my opinion, a, a, a typical like I do like Joe Duffy, but I would say this is kind of an average so or a, an average Bronze Age comic in my opinion. But you say like that's a bad thing. No, it's kind of like if I want my daily dosage of Bronze Age comics, I would definitely read this, but I would not like um, rush out to buy it or to pay, you know, $3.65 for it the way I would for, say, Christmas with the superheroes, you know? Yeah, this is very much like setting up the story, you know? Yes. yes. And then the next issue is the big payoff. Okay. um, There you go. Would you like to to, a spoiler? Would you like me to spoil the story for you? Ah, heck, sure. Go ahead. Luke Cage doesn't die. Oh, yeah, he doesn't right. die. Uh, actually, the, the, the thing they're burying at the beginning of this issue with Luke Cage on his coffin, that's actually uh, Big Ben Donovan. He's been running drugs. He stole a bunch of drugs from the Magia. Okay. That's why they're after Donovan. And he took the drugs and he buried them in that coffin with the Luke Cage uh, headstone to hide them, you know? And uh, so... They go when the Magia have Luke Cage. They they are planning to bury him alive, and they do bury him alive. Okay, but he busts out. Okay, <laughs> and he comes right out of the ground. Really, and uh, Thunderbolt does catch Big Ben Donovan, and, and he finds out that he was the guy that actually had his brother killed, because Big Ben had a brother, and William Carver was responsible for sending his brother to prison. Really. So he decided, I want you took my brother away because his brother died in prison. Then the Magia killed him in prison because he had nowhere to go. They were able to track him down and kill him. So he's like, you killed my brother. I'm going to kill your brother, William Carver. (laughs) But he had, but he had no idea Thunderbolt was William Carver, you know? Ah. So then Carver catches Donovan. They, they scuffle. uh, And Donovan shoots himself in the scuffle, but he just shoots his wrist. So he's, he doesn't die. Okay. It's reported in some news outlets, Mike L, that Donovan died. He did not die. Gotcha. So that's fake news. But <laughs> Thunderbolt does die. Oh, really? Because the, the, now that he's at least identified his brother's killer, his brother's killer is going to go to justice. You know, Power Man and Iron Fist will make sure he's arrested. He, his life's work is done and he runs out of energy. His body gives away and he dies. And he collapses on his brother's grave. Whoa. Yeah. How about that? That's so poetic, right? Yep. So there you go. There's the big ending. Power Man and Iron Fist. <laughs> uh, one, out, <laughs> one out of ten, Michael. Ooh, um, I think I'll have to give it a five. Because uh-huh. as I said, it's a very, like a very standard Bronze Age comic, and um, it's nothing bad about it. But I don't think there's anything that would make me want to come back for more. Huh? Yeah, Christmas with the superheroes is eight out of ten. Yep, sure is. Uh, I'm giving it a seven. Uh, okay. I think it's really solid. Um, just good stuff all around. There's a lot of fights. There's two fights. Man Mountain Marco and Luke Cage going at it. I enjoyed that a great deal. Um, Thunderbolt and Iron Fist were scrapping it up a little bit. That was fun. And then Thunderbolt's an old man. He takes his hel- He takes his mask off and he's an old man. Uh-huh. Okay. Shock. Okay. <laughs> Seven out of ten. Jolie, I know you didn't read it, but just say ten out of ten. What? No, no. <laughs> I will not be led. Those inks were tens. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so Power Man and R for 61. Mike L. Next yes. Week, what are you picking? Uh, well, this is kind of dependent on if you can get one of our previous guests to come back. Oh, well, I don't know if you'll be here, but if you want to pick it, just go ahead and pick it. Okay, 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 fine. I had I pre-warned you that I was going to pick this because I want to um, I want to compare this to our Secret Wars number one story that we read. I'm going to pick Crisis on Infinite Earths, not number one, but number three. Okay. okay? I know nothing about this. Uh, well, I have a general concept of it. Like you said, they reboot everything, right? Like they kind of... At the end, they do, yes, yeah. yes. How many issues was this? Like it was, it was a limited 12. series. Yeah. Twelve issue limited series. Just like Secret Wars. Yep. Was that intentional, just to make it like Secret Wars? I don't think so. No, I think it was and, just a coincidence. And unlike Secret Wars, this had no tie-ins to a toy line, right? No tie-in. Nope. All right. So 
it'll be better then probably. <laughs> I, th I think so. Yeah, this is Marv Wolfman, George Perez, and Dick Giordano. So. Oh yeah, I like the Dick Giordano from Dead Man. I also must point out that when I first read Crisis, I actually started with number three, and that's kind of one of the reasons I want to read this one and not number one. Huh. All right. Yeah, it'll be even more confusing. Anyway. Now, now, so do all the heroes come together to fight a big fight, or what's the premise? Um, I, I don't want to give away too much, but I'll just say that when the story starts out, um, they're all there in DC. There's more than one universe. There's multiple universes, infinite actually, and they're all being slowly destroyed by this antimatter wave. And then basically, we got to find out why this is happening, who's causing it, how they can stop it. And then who they're going to use, you know, to fight this threat. And it just goes from there. If only that antimatter wave would have struck before Christmas with the superheroes. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> so. Me, you'll see. You'll see why. You'll see we, how it all fits together. We would have had Bizarro, Gigolo, mm. Superman. I can warm you up. <laughs> <laughs> Jolie, thanks so much for joining us, Jolie. It was a pleasure. Thanks, please. You got to come back on the LCS show. I um I do, um but I I hear we. I'm not. I'm about to talk about Big Brother. I can't. It'll just. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. But we'll get you back on. Just let me know whenever you want to do it. We'll get you back on. All right, Michael. Thank you. Absolutely. I guess that wraps up this week's episode of Flea Market Fantasy. Each week we pick a random issue, well, a random pick by one of us um, from the Bronze Age of comics. We'll actually talk about that maybe next episode of what defines the Bronze Age because, you know, definitions change depending on who you're talking to. But yes, so this has been Flea Market Fantasy and we'll see you next time. Bye. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.